Hi, I'm Raymond from Insert Quest here. My pronouns today are he, him, and joining me is Laura, a fellow actual play podcaster and editor of RPGs and Other Things. Uh, thank you for taking some time for us today, Laura. Um, would you please tell us your pronouns and a little bit about yourself? Hello, Internet. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, or she, her. And I am an actual play podcaster, uh, editor, and librarian. I forgot about librarian. Librarian's <laughs> like the one of the key things I learned about you to begin with. <laughs> and I forgot librarian because you've just become... It's the thing that co- comes up least. Well, well, yeah, you've just become editor Laura in many people's minds. That's um, fair. I feel. Um, RPG mum. Um, so, uh, Laura, you and I know each other from being fans of Role Playing Public Radio, which is another actual mm-hmm. play podcast, and we've also, um, I feel like we've collaborated on something. I can't remember what. Oh, right, we've collaborated on Great Lakes. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Great Lakes. Lakes, Red Markets. I knew there was something that we'd work together on. Uh, you a little bit more than I. Um, uh, but uh, we we normally like to start off this discussion by uh, our conversation about by uh, asking people how they got into uh, role playing games because uh, that's actually a story about you that I don't I haven't heard yet. I, I don't know how your narrative I- in this space began. It's not one I tend to think of as terribly interesting. Um, So I was aware of RPGs um, growing up because um, the horrid satanic panic at least got the um, name of like Dungeons and Dragons in my periphery, you know, when I was like eight. Um, So I was aware of them and... um, vaguely interested in that way in which, you know, if somebody presented it to you, you'd go, sure, I'll try. Which didn't happen until college. Um, At which point, uh, my three closest friends, two of them are uh, very good uh, GMs and run something at all times. Um, So we had a D&D campaign for like a year and then um, an exalted campaign for three years in which we had to haul one of the GMs back from uh, graduate school to finish out because it ran a little longer than they planned. And they, yes, they had planned a three year campaign going, we'll have time to finish this. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine planning out and allotting time for a three year campaign. They're math nerds. And physics nerds. It's too much. And, and yeah, a little the bit planners. Of, the kind of people that conceive of uh, calendars for planets we have not yet settled. I don't think they've done that for fun. <laughs> not for fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, one of them um, rewrote the magic system in D&D uh, for our campaign because it, we were playing second ed and he kind of went, this is shit. Mm, weird D&D having a shit magic system Who could uh, let's be honest what he came up with was not 100% better mm-hmm. it, it broke down at the higher power levels 
Um, but you know, he did that thing. Mm. And, you know, after college, at some point we all tried to collaborate and write a, um, RPG system, um, which eventually broke down due to, uh, life in the form of, um, jobs and, uh, mental health issues. And, uh, it's difficult to collaborate Mm -hmm. as much as we wanted across, you know, long distance. So, um, that was my RPG life for a while. And, you know, we, after college, we played a bunch of, uh, different systems and then it just there was this like chunk of time in which i did not play any rpgs and eventually realized i missed it and was running around trying to find a group Mm -hmm. um because let's be clear i'm not the most social of people so finding a group of people for you know the express purpose of uh playing rpgs was not precisely in my wheelhouse Mm -hmm. um but around that time, um, Caleb Stokes put out uh, the beta for Red Markets, and um, which we uh, have an interview about. If you want to know more about Red Markets, you can. The first and, interview we ever did. And at that time, you know, somebody popped up on the RP, RPPR forums, going, "I want to play this. Would anybody else like to play?" And, you know, so I, I'm like, yes, please. And started playing with uh, three other guys. And all of us were like, well, we really owe Caleb feedback. Because, you know, he, he put it out here in for the express purpose of getting feedback. And we all hate writing feedback. So why don't we just record ourselves and send the recordings to Caleb? Mm-hmm. And 18 recordings later, we have finished the campaign, look around at each other and go, you know, that's a lot of fun. And we have 18 recordings of actual play. Why don't we do a podcast and keep playing? Yeah. Other things. That's very different to the narrative uh, of our, of how Insect Quest here started. We're, we're- I could do an actual play podcast, and then I just started doing it, as opposed to, uh, I I will record some games just for reasons. Oh, why don't I put them out up for someone? I know someone that records their games just so that they can make comprehensive notes, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that's a lot of content you've got just sitting there doing nothing. I can't go back and listen to myself either. Yeah, uh, very rarely do I listen to stuff that I have written. Yeah. I mean, we, we'd all come from having been fans of uh, role-playing public radio. So the, the idea of a podcast was already baked in to yeah. our group consciousness. Yeah. So that's how Technical Difficulties uh, Gaming Podcast got started. Yeah. <laughs> By us being lazy about uh, RPG <laughs> feedback. Yeah, about wanting to give feedback. <laughs> And then, so I guess you've you've grown from there. You guys have uh, you've recorded a few different games. Uh, you've done mm-hmm. a, a trans podcast, um, actual play series uh, True. involving several podcasts, but primarily airing on two. Uh, it's primarily us and role playing exchange. Uh, I think we've tossed some episodes onto the Drunk and the Ugly and you guys. 
Uh, I don't think any other episodes are hosted on Insert Quest here. Well, we've stolen you. <laughs> yeah, indeed. You've got me. Um, uh, I mean, I think that's a pretty big achievement to have uh, a, have a series spanning so many storytellers and so many, uh, so many, I guess, formats as well. I mean... Mm-hmm. Every actual play podcast does things a little bit differently. Thankfully, the, the podcasts that uh, you all are working with are not like God's Fall, for example, where there's like four hours of editing for every hour of content. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I have not been the audio engineer, but that just sounds horrid. I mean, the person that does God's Fall chooses to do that much work. Um I hope they enjoy it. I hope they enjoy it. Well, I've my understanding is a very popular podcast. But uh, what have been some of the challenges of of uh, of doing such a expansive project? Organization. Urbanization. <laughs> oh, organization! I thought you said urbanization, and I'm like, that's a very that, red a markets very... complaint. Yeah, <laughs> not quite what I meant, although I could see how it could fit into red markets. So, you know, there's at least three, more like five or six different GMs, and everybody has their own style. Mm-hmm. So they're also all, you know, they have to communicate with each other to let everybody else know what happened, or you're going to end up with three different, three to six different um campaigns with air quotes around that um, or storylines and or three different slightly separate worlds. So um, yeah, organization and coordination and communication are really, really important if you're doing something with a lot of people. Yeah, I can, I can totally I totally understand that. Both as an insider, also uh, communicating with the other podcasts, going, "Hey, we're putting up X episode on this date. You guys should do something after that." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know that uh, I occasionally miss the announcement that an episode has gone up that I that I'm in, and I'm like, "Oh, I haven't shared this. Uh, <laughs> quick, I've got to share this." Uh, but we do. We have been. We've been making a list on Insert Quest here of whenever we appear on someone else's show. Links to those. I think it needs to be updated. <laughs> um, have um, what's the feedback about Ten uh, K Lakes been like? Um, from the other players, pretty good. They're you know. Keep coming back. <laughs> and what's the listenership been like? I, I don't know what the throughput is for your podcast. Mine's pretty low, but still, I I like uh, it anyway. This is not one of my areas of responsibility for the podcast, which, quite frankly, um, I kind of should. I, I've stepped back from a lot of stuff for the podcast right now because um, I've kind of got an infant, which just suck up as much time as you have I can totally and, then, understand that. and then steal more of it, it from you by interrupting your sleep. Mm, mm, yes, <laughs> indeed. 
<laughs> Thank you for taking a, a, a uh, giving up some of your precious time to sleep to talk to us as well. Oh, you're welcome. Trust me, I would not be getting to sleep quite yet. <laughs> Otherwise. Um, yeah, wonderful. Um, well, we wanted to talk to you about editing, actually. Mm-hmm. Because you edited, uh, my understanding is you were the lead editor at the very least, or pro- potentially the primary editor for Red Only. Bones. Yeah, only editor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, I think perhaps a, be- a good spot to begin with mm-hmm. is explaining what an editor is and what the role of editing is to um in in general in fiction um i think perhaps a lot of our listeners might not be super familiar with what that is or might have some misconceptions so what let's start with what is an editor well the first question would be what type of editor are you talking about because Ah. there are many types of editors so the primary types of editing i am most familiar with is developmental editing and copy editing a developmental editor, um, if any of your listeners write fan fiction, they're probably familiar with this sort of work um, from their betas. But a developmental editor is somebody who um, is going through and reading your thing, whether it's a document, a technical document, um, fiction, whatever, um, and going, I think you need to expand this part, and I think you should drop this part, and maybe if you move this over here, it'll work better, and this part was super unclear. Um, basically, they are, um, they, are, they are looking at the big picture of the document and working to improve it. You know, things like you've got a plot hole over here and it's kind of like the size of the Milky Way. It's also in your developmental editor's uh, remit. Is there meant to be time travel in this book? No. Then why? (laughs) Why this? Get across town in a split second? Mm -hmm. Things like that. A copy editor is somebody who's taking a manuscript that is basically in its final form. This is after um, various drafts. Um, it is the the story that is there is what should be there. And now you're going through and correcting um, lack of commas, misplaced uh, semicolons, misspellings, grammar issues. It, it's basically um, cleaning up the um, very last part of the document to make it more professional. I've never been very good with punct- correct punctuation. That's what an editor's for. <laughs> um, so other other types of editing I know of uh, have not done myself, and I'm not quite sure this one qualifies, but it's a sensitivity reader, which in my mind is a type of uh, developmental editor, but they are going through and specifically looking for issues um, with representation or discussion of things that the author is writing about, but do not have personal experience with. So like a African-American person reading a a manuscript from say a white person in America, um, looking at their depiction of uh, people of color uh, in, in the manuscript going, 
this might be kind of racist yeah. or this might hit some people not good and but be okay with other people or no you're fine Think, things like that um you know and you can get that for any sort of text it, yeah or issue or um not issue but media media um oh, oh like, i see like what you, you're saying you can you do it sensitivity readers for like um it, it does it you know, discussions about ableism and things like that. Mm-hmm. Ableism, ageism, sexism, uh, any, you know, sort of, uh, ethnical, eth- bleh, ethnicity portrayal, stuff like Sexuality, that. Sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, um, I think that we're seeing, I think that we're definitely seeing a greater need for that in RPGs. Obviously there's always been a need for that in RPGs, mm-hmm. but now there's actually the impetus to want that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there is a game that I'm working on that I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, fuck, I need to put together money so I can pay for some sensitivity readers because I can't write any more about this without without working out if I'm stepping on some toes. I know that I want power fantasies about destroying my oppressors, but that is but is that the way that other oppressed groups interact with Mm-hmm. That narrative, yep. or is their narrative different? So one um, method for uh, lack of money, mm-hmm. um, I've mostly seen from the fan fiction community, but um, it uh, less so in the RPG space um, is ex- essentially exchanging um, editing with oh, each other. That's cool. Trade trading labor rather than money. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that makes perfect sense now that you just said it out loud. <laughs> um, so, for Red Markets, mm-hmm. what was the primary kind of editing you were doing? I guess you were doing both, but of the two that you mentioned originally. but um, A little bit of developmental editing, primarily copy editing. Okay, primarily copy editing. Um, what... Let's be clear, things still got past me. Fair. You are but one person. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the challenges, I guess, that you feel an RPG document presented? Or, or perhaps a better way of quest- uh, asking that question is, do you think there were any challenges for editing an RPG document that uh, perhaps a uh, editor of a novel, for example wouldn't have run into or even an editor of a technical manual. Cause like for me, yeah, that's, that's kind of the feel thing. Like they're in between. Yes. Um, that, that's the thing. Uh, RPG manual is, um, a, a, both a technical document and a fiction document. Um, and if you're very lucky, it's very delineated, which part is technical writing and which part is fiction writing. Um, but that's, not going to be the usual um, breakdown that I've seen. You, um, the mechanics are going to affect the setting, and the setting inform the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you need both um, your fiction reading hat to edit, and you also need to um, 
sit back and look at the mechanics and make sure they are extremely consistent across the document. Like if you say you get a plus one bonus for doing X on page three, you better say you get a plus one bonus for doing X on page 50. Um, so it, it's slightly different um, needs than a purely technical document or a purely fiction document. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely, yeah, maintaining that consistency must be difficult. Is there a, is there a, any tools that you use to help you? They're called a style guide. It is um, a... Not, not quite a template, but a, a document laying out how you want to handle X issue. Like X, Y, and Z always get capitalized. Mm-hmm. Or, or um, you know, this type of thing it always shows up in the document italicized. Safe or, word is always written as one word, not two. Yes, things like that. That is the thing that happened in, our, in the game that I recently released. Yes. It went you to know, print with safe word is two words, but we got it on the digital edition. Or, you know, things like heading. This is how you display a heading. And headings always have at least a paragraph after them. You do not go from a heading of one level to a heading of the level below it um, without text in between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, obviously, Red Markets has more than just uh more than just text in it it also has um it also has art and things like that does the editor have any role in that like at all i'm not sure no that's that's um art direction mm-hmm. and layout right how much talk is there between those three roles that's going to depend on the project, I think. But for Red Markets and the other projects I've been on, I have not had any back and forth between the art direction and layout. Uh, layout comes after art and editing. Okay. I would have thought that there would have been some talk between editing and layout, more than, more than art direction, but editing and layout seemed like it might go a bit in hand, but that's interesting to me that it, that has not been the case. It has not been the case for me. Um, I can, I can imagine it, um, being a lot, being folks working together more closely if they're all in the same physical space. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I can, I can, I, I guess I can kind of half imagine in my head a situation where the editor might be like, Hey, if we, change the layout in this way, it'll be easier to read. Mm-hmm. And, and we can remove some of this text because it'll be, like, these two parts of the book can be closer or whatever. Like, purely hypothetical, I don't know that much about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's uh, more layouts um, okay. skill set. Oh, um, one, like, one of the uh, ways um, we did communicate um, in red markets was, you know, he, here's how I mark in the text that this text goes in a table mm-hmm. as part of the style guide, or this text go, is a, a quote to be, you know, offset and made pretty. 
or sidebars, things like that. Um, I guess uh, my other question is um, sort of coming off of that, all of that. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, I guess what uh, what aspects of that whole process appeal to you? What do you like about doing that work? So this is, this is part of why I am a cataloging librarian as well. Um, I can just focus down on the text and be just going through it less for the meaning of the words I am reading and more for the structure of the sentence and how it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's kind of task completion hedonism a little bit. Huh. It's a concept I've not heard before. Task <laughs> completion hedonism. Do you mind expanding on what you mean there a little? I read too much Eclipse Face. <laughs> That's what I... <laughs> Eclipse Face is a, diff- is a transhuman um, uh, role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, where I have stolen that phrase from. Right. Um, but so the best, the best description I can give of it is um, if you enjoy checking things off on a to-do list because you have completed it, if that gives you a sense of satisfaction, that's what I mean. It's the completionist bonus. It's the, I have mm-hmm. done all of the things. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm there. I'm there. That's not a thing that I normally experience, but I totally, I totally recognize that as a thing and now Mm -hmm. understand what you are communicating. Um, (laughs) That's a, that's a cool motivator. (laughs) It also lets me uh, read other people's cool stuff um, and help them make it better. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I know that for me, helping people is a big, thing that I'm into, so mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, what are some of the other projects that you've worked on? Because we talked a lot about Red Markets here, but I'm, I'm sure you've worked on other projects. So, uh, Goblin by uh, the folks over at the Drunk and Ugly. Uh, yes, Goblin. Yes, uh, which you can find on RPG, And it is now out. Awesome. And I am currently in the middle of editing uh, Infinite Galaxies, which is not quite out yet. So, red markets for the uh, uh, post-apocalypse gritty, Goblin for the uh, fantasy comedy, and Infinite Galaxies will be a um, pulp sci-fi kind of feel. Uh, Cool. Are there any... um are there any like editing? Are there any editing projects that you're currently working with, or are you focusing on other things like day jobs and uh, your <laughs> infant? Uh, I I am in the middle of Infinite Galaxies, and uh, I am sort of a one project at a time hmm. uh, yeah. kind of person. So you know, it I might have more than one in the queue, but. I, you know, I do that one at a time. Current project you're working on. Yeah. Um, I guess my next questions are sort of going to be about um, 
what kind of how did you develop the skills to become an editor and begin this path and then i guess i'll also want to i also maybe want to talk about uh what if someone is looking for an editor how to find that or if somebody has been spurred into wanting to get involved with editing how they can do that but why don't we begin with how did you develop the skills to put you in a place where you can be an editor and was it a conscious choice did you set out i want to be an editor or was it hey i've got the skills to be an editor um i've always been a voracious reader Mm -hmm. so i i think i internalized a lot of um liking language um just from reading a lot um and, oh, see, I got into editing because of Red Markets. Um, Caleb put out the beta. I looked at it and said, I don't have a group and I really want to read this, but I owe him something for the right to read his intellectual property. I know I'll go through and do some copy editing on it, not realizing it was 250 pages. Um, but so I, I started doing that and to make, you know, I, I encounter something, I go, I don't think this is right, but I should go look it up and uh, went out and uh, read up on uh, some grammar that I have remembered from high school and read up um, Butterick's to typography or typology. Anyway, I did some autodidactic learning and uh, went through and, kept editing and sent it off to Caleb and uh, he's a very good person because he came back and said, would you like some paying work? Don't follow my example, folks. That's you don't do free work to, to get a job. (laughs) It is a bad, it is a bad way to get work, but I'm glad that it did uh, turn out well. In my case, I had, I had not, gone into it with the hope of work and it it sort of came into my lap and I looked at it and said, yes, please. <laughs> and that's more or less how I've gone into editing because from there, um, you know, net, there, I've done some networking or, you know, it, it Caleb's run into some folks who've uh, needed an editor and gone, well, here's who I used. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, um, more of more of a I have the skills. Yeah. Okay. And I guess I guess being. I mean, did you go to not university? What do you call it over there? Did you go to college uh, to become a librarian as well? Because I imagine that there'd probably be some skills from that that you brought over into it. Um. So I. Yes, I did go to uh, undergraduate um, for computer science. Actually. Oh wow. Which is another finicky, pay attention to um, your punctuation and uh, syntax kind of uh, job, but not one that I'm very good at. Um, So I went back to uh, graduate school for library science, um, which is a terminal master's degree uh, profession. Um, You don't get a PhD in library science unless you are planning to teach Mm -hmm. and only teach. Also research. 
there is research in library science. Um, research in library science look like? I don't doubt that it exists, but I'm just not sure what – I have no concept of what you'd be researching. Uh, mostly um, – well, it depends on what area of library science you're researching. Um, is there's sort of like saying military science? It can re- it's so broad. Um, no, it, it's just broader than people who haven't looked into library science would realize because they have no reason to. Right. Okay. okay. Um, and so a lo- research in library science could be into, um, readability of text. Um, you know, how, how do we make this actually more readable for users? Um, or in the public uh, libraries, how do we get more books uh, used? Or, um, you know, how can we measure um, whether a uh, document's going to actually be circulated? Um, uh, folks do some statistics studies on uh, various and sundry things. Other folks are... Um, trying to write new standards um, to create interoperability uh, between various um, computer ways of displaying information. We've also got people doing research in preservation, which is now uh, both, you know, a physical document. What do you need to do to keep this thing from falling apart and um, digital um, how do you, how do you preserve a digital document um, when you know standards change? Um, do, you, do you preserve the physical item that uh, could read this old uh, thing? Do you em- emulate it? I'm, I'm thinking of video games because video games uh, are now something that librarians um, will also preserve. Yeah, I've I've recently I remember a while ago I read um, this article about uh, how much of uh, games history has been lost, considering mm-hmm. how small um, how small the actual timeline of games history is, and mm-hmm. to then have all these games be lost, and how the role of emulators in that preservation. Yes. Not my area of library science, but a thing I know is going on and is cool. Yeah, indeed. So there's a thing for y'all to go check out if you're listening. Um, I know that in Australia, we talked about this with another, um, uh, with Etten, who Paul, who made uh, Breakfast Cult, uh, came on and informed me that if you publish a book in Australia, you have to give a copy of it to the National Library. Uh, for it to uh, be preserved, which I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that's a thing in uh, Great Britain as well. It is not in the U.S., not to my knowledge. Yeah, wow. That's pretty... Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought, hmm, you've got that big-ass library, though. The Library of Congress? Yeah, I would have... It is smaller than you think. Um, so... I don't know about Australia, but I know the library that does the preservation in Great Britain has had to expand like twice within uh, the last 20 to 30 years because they've run out of space Mm. again, because there's this massive amount of um, 
manuscripts and books and other things being published just in Great Britain, which I think is uh, their remit. So one of my early uh, library science jobs was working for um, a government agency where the library had decided that uh, part of their job was to be a repository of everything ever published by that agency. Oh, okay. Um, they were okay with that repository being digital. Um, but as it turns out, one, they didn't know everything they had ever published because nobody had kept uh, records of it as it was being published. And two, that was too much stuff. Um, so they ended up having to uh, decide with, um, you know, because there were a bunch of libraries throughout the country that were part of this agency. They divided up between different libraries. Okay, you take these sections of things that were published by this agency, and you take these other ones, and we'll take these. And that's how they're trying to um, get everything ever published by their agency. That's so wild to that. It it feels like one of those things of if you do it while you while you if you do it from the beginning it seems like oh this isn't too much but actually it will be a lot and then if yeah. you try to jump in in the middle it's like well fuck we got to find out what we've published mm-hmm. um damn uh, yeah wow that's pretty mm 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 mm-hmm. um. Changing tact a little. Mm-hmm. Tact is the wrong word. Changing tack is the word I wanted. Um, how, what would you say to people that are very uh, are interested in uh, trying their hand at editing, either professionally or unprofessionally? What do you think are some of the what do you think is a good way, one, for them to practice and two, for them to develop the necessary skill? Uh, first read, mm-hmm. especially in whatever genre you want to edit in. Um, different genres will have different conventions and it's good to be familiar with them. Uh, to be willing to look up what you um, are unsure of. it's always going to be something that you don't remember or you haven't encountered before. So willingness to uh, look things up and a skill in uh, finding information are things that will stand you in good stead. Um, To practice, I would actually say get into the fan fiction community um, because there, there will be uh, lots of people putting things out who would just love to have anybody um, help. Um, a website I know of that people could uh, join that and you know put out their writing to get feedback and give feedback um, is called Scribophile. And I will send Ray the link so that can be put in. Yes, sure we'll, have, we'll have a bunch of links down the bottom of this episode on uh, the main website. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, it's 
basically a uh, writer's circle um, online um, where, you know, you put up like a chapter or a chunk of your writing and um, you, you go out and you um, give editing feedback on other people's uh, chunks and you have, you have to give enough feedback on other people to be able to have, you know, um, website currency to post your things. And that's how they ensure that um, there's enough turnover um, that you, you have to give in order to get. Um, but just the, the act of and practice of um, looking at writing with a critical eye will, is what you need to be able to um, develop your skills. And what was the question after that? Um, I, the next question was going to be, how do people find editors? Um, what do you think is a, uh, how do they, how, how, yeah, I guess how would they find editors? And I have some refining questions. Um, well, there's, uh, lots and lots of, um, people who've hung their shingles out on the internet, um, also look up um, your country's like editors professional group um, because they should have information on what you should be looking for in an editor and prices you can expect to pay and um, conventions like, you know, do you send off like a couple pages for the editor to look at and go, okay, I, I see that this is a fairly clean copy. Um, Here's the uh, rate I will quote you and how long I expect it to be. be, Or are you just going in blind at a flat rate? Um, That's going to differ from um, country to country, really. Um, It's just, you know, professional um, word. I can English, I swear. (laughs) Can Laura edit a good. <laughs> There's a reason I edit, not talk. Yes, indeed. Fair, fair, fair. Um, cool. And I mean, the you know, if you're editing a professional something you want to put out commercially, you're going to want a professional editor. If you're looking for an editor for um, things you want to share in a particular community and you just you just want to share it and, and you want it to, um, you know, look good for that community, well, you're more likely to um, not have to pay money and just exchange work with um, other folks in the community. And quite frankly, um, if you're a writer um, doing that critiquing and editing for other people will also help your own writing. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that uh, assessment of, um, you know, the, the doing the, the critiquing and, and editing for other people is going to help you develop that writing skill. That definitely makes sense to me. Um, I'm trying to think. 
if there was anything else that I wanted to ask you about editing, because I mean, part of the reason that I wanted to, that I wanted to have you on to talk about editing is because I think that we often hear about in the RPG space in particular, more and more mm-hmm. we're hearing about game designers and what goes into designing games, but we're not hearing from artists, editors, layout people, publishing people. Well, actually, we do hear a bit from publishing people. Um, but in particular, we don't hear from... I, I found that there's not anyone interviewing artists that work on role-playing games. There's not really anyone interviewing editors. And I guess there's no one really interviewing layout either because I definitely had thought layout and editing would be similar things, but I was wrong. Um, well, so I, I think... I- that- have those misconceptions because we're not hearing from those voices. Well, also, I think um, if I've done my job as an editor, I'm not really visible. Um, My job is to put a little bit of polish on the writer. The, The writer's work should shine through and it should look like theirs rather than looking like something that was there that was turned into what you see by the editor, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, my job is to let the writer's voice come through um, and make sure it says what they intended to say because all the commas are in the right place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess sort of coming off the tail of that and is uh, something that, happened to me recently was I got asked um, to participate in like a a survey of people working in the games industry um, from mm-hmm. various different fields of it and one of the and that was a f- one of the questions in there was um, it was particularly about uh, designing and making games and how people that are fans of games have potentially misconceptions about how games get made, how much money they cost to get made, how many people are involved in making games. And they, and, and a question on that, uh, that followed from that information was that from that, those statements rather was um, what misconceptions about your industry uh, would, uh, do you think people uh, at large have and how, and, and what do you wish that they knew? And I talked about the fact that uh, RPGs are very expensive to make if you take into account the fact that you do most of the work on in making an RPG unpaid. Mm-hmm. And I also talked about how there's not great financial return in that. And I guess sort of similarly, um, what do you feel is perhaps something that the that fans of RPGs at large could afford to hear from an RPG editor? This is more general to uh, any writing, mm-hmm. but um, you can't edit your own work mm-hmm. um, because you have spent too much time uh, working on it and writing it. 
you are going to see what you intended to put down, not what's there. Mm-hmm. I can't edit my own work. I, I have to have somebody else look at it or have set it aside for months and months so that I don't even remember uh, what I intended to write and come at it with completely fresh eyes. And quite frankly, I'd rather get things uh, completed before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not a statement of your abilities as a writer to need an editor. You know, everybody needs an editor. Yeah, no, uh, that, that's the kind of thing that I was, uh, well, I didn't know what you'd say, but that is the <laughs> kind of, that is the kind of answer that I was hoping for. Um, cool. Um, well, I think that this was a very good chat. How do you think it went? I liked it. Yeah, cool. Hopefully we'll be able to do more content like this and hopefully we can, uh, we can do some more collaborations with you and the tech diff, uh, folks. But for now, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show and why don't you tell, uh, all of our wonderful listeners where they might be able to find more work from you, uh, and more of that stuff that you're putting out online. Thank you for having me. Um, I am mostly on the Technical Difficulties Gaming Podcast these days, which uh, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher. uh, We have a website, and if you can't find us on your favorite uh, podcast uh, method of distribution, hit us up on that website, and we will try and uh, fix that. (laughs) Because we want to reach you where you guys are. Yeah. I also have a website that uh, hasn't updated in quite a while because, you know, baby, but uh, it's at laurabwrites.com. And yeah, that those are the best places to find me. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Um, it was a pleasure. And thank, thank you, you all for listening to this interview. I hope that you enjoyed it. This is... Um, we're, we're making some changes to how we do our interviews, um, trying to shift them towards being more conversational because you all have given feedback that the conversational interviews are the ones that you enjoy the most. So we're trying to hold true to that spirit. And to be honest, they're the ones that I enjoy making the most as well. So hopefully you felt that this worked for you all. Um, and... Uh, yeah, thank you to all of our patrons uh, for supporting us over on Patreon and making this recording uh, possible. You pay for our internet hosting and a bunch of other things that make this podcast possible. Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, thank you all for all of that. And if you haven't already uh, and you'd like to uh, show some support for Insert Quest here uh, and the people that make it, we have a new game out, which you can find uh, on itch.io uh, or by clicking the store link at the top of the website, our brand new website, insertquesthere.com. Uh, if you click the store link, it'll take you directly to uh, our new game, Erotia, which uh, you can hear all about uh, in this upcoming month's episode of Quest Markers. Uh, but for now, 
uh, farewell from the past. I'm Ray. <laughs>